I guess these things are hot. <laughs> hey, we're back for another week of SBS Fly Fishing Podcast. And so, uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, just the two of us. I'm here. We should have came I'm in back. with Will Smith. Just the two of us. Yeah, I had, I had to miss a week. I had to get some shit done. Yeah, it happens, man. Getting stuff done around the house. Growing up life, it happens to all of us. You know, this is the only time you can get away from, like, me away from fishing or being in the outdoors. It's, it's you know, fucking what, seven degrees outside. When so. it's seven and they're yeah. calling for 14 inches of snow. Exactly. So, last few weeks I've been kind of putting into the house and doing some basement work. Doing the uh, the mama says list. Yeah, I got the Binford out, you know, the Binford 5000 <laughs> is out, you know, slapping walls up and, you know, doing her up. I hear you, man. Yeah, sorry you didn't get to come over and help the other day. Yeah, I can't entice you with fucking beers now. This sucks. No, I know. Oh. Like I told Ashley, she she said, let's try this one restaurant. I said, let's go in February. <laughs> Jeff doesn't want to try the food. He just wants to try the beer selection. I, oh, shit. I went somewhere um, uh, Friday, Friday night. We went out with Bruce and my mom and, and Ashley. We went to a Magic Tree, which is known for like tons and tons of craft beer. Out there in the old Boardman? In Boardman. Yeah. And we had picked up a new washing machine at that, that place that you were supposed to go. The warehouse? Yeah. Yep. Sure. And my stepdad was pulling a trailer with his pickup truck. I was like, well, I guess uh, you guys can just chug a lug. I'll drive the trailer home. <laughs> and that's what uh, what ended up happening. Hey, he's probably appreciative. Yeah. He's like, oh, I could drive it home. But I think, like, hey, I didn't drink. So you might as well uh, let me drive. Which is weird. First time in my life. <laughs> Here, thir- third month in my life. That I've been responsible like this. <laughs> oh, oh, I think you meant third time or something. Like you drove a trailer like that. And I'm like, he's you've driven a million trailers. No, yeah, I, I drive trailers all the time, but been responsible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only third time in your life. Yeah. So, um, hey, tonight's show being brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Sims Fishing, SimsFishing.com. Tonight's show is being recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at Urban Fly Company. Dot com and also check Mark out at the Musky Max show March fifth and sixth at the Princecape Arena in uh, down by Pittsburgh. Eric's Hooks, Eric'sHooks.com. Um, Queen City Guiding. Check out our boy Ryan Evans for some of the best flies and fly tying material in town. Yeti built for the wild. Uh don't call Frank. Call the bank. Er, don't call the bank. Call Frank. <laughs> And down-to-earth wealth management. Thank you. So, um, hey, I wanted to bring up a story that is not fly fishing related with you first, Jay. Uh, it's very topical for does this it, week. Does it involve me? No. It, it's, a, it's like an actual news story. Can you guess what the news story that I'm talking about is? It involves a rapper. Have you heard anything about this? No. Oh, my God, Jason. You're going to laugh your ass off. I haven't. You know, I, I don't really get into the... Hollywood scene or anything that's happening out and that kind of stuff. Okay, headline. Instagram model accuses Drake of putting hot sauce inside a condom, and he seemingly responds, you can have your 15 minutes of fame. An Instagram model is accusing Drake 
of getting a little too spicy during a recent romantic encounter, which allegedly took place in the rapper's hotel room a few weeks ago. The model claims that that the self-proclaimed certified lover boy added a packet of hot sauce to his used condom in order to kill the sperm after the two had sex. After he disposed of the condom, she took it out of the trash can and then attempted to impregnate herself inside of the bathroom, not realizing what it contained. (laughs) The woman revealed... uh, Revealed the accusations, um, saying that after she screamed due to the burning sen- sensation, uh, uh, ran into the bathroom, allegedly admitted to pouring hot sauce in the condom. <laughs> so, Jay, I want to get your take on that. First off, do you think hot sauce kills semen? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Do you think? It, I and, don't know if it would. And is is Drake being an impractical joker or? I don't blame him. I do you know what I do not blame him one bit for for his actions because that's that's about the smartest thing I've ever heard. And, and I don't know. He should have had a, some Clorox bleach beside the bed or whatever because that would probably work a little better. You know. You know what a 100% fail safe is. You know how much uh, re- feedback Mark would have gave you on this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Drake? <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what a one hundred percent failsafe would be? What? Throw that motherfucker in the toilet. You're in the bathroom. <laughs> sure, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> keep it in your pocket and keep it for yourself. So yeah, I, I just wanted to get that's that's everywhere I've been looking. My wife showed me that story <laughs> the other day and I was like, I heard that on Adam Carolla. I was like, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I must have missed that part of Bob and Tom. Oh yeah, I'm that, sure they'd have talked about that. Christy Lee couldn't have passed that one up. Oh no, no, yeah, definitely. I must have missed that part of it, huh? So, um, I don't blame him though. No, I don't. You got You got to, you know, these athletes and you know guys that are high profile people. They got to watch their backs if they're uh, gonna have a bunch of women around. So, <laughs> this chick so, wants a piece of your money. So what? What do you think the the atmosphere was like? When he heard her screaming, like, what? I bet he was fucking He's dying like, laughing at first. <laughs> gotcha. <Yeah. laughs> you stupid bitch. It's, it's like when you're sitting at, uh, it's like when you're sitting at a barn or a camp or something, and you hear a mousetrap going off. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Are you double fisting? You drinking for both of us? Somebody has to do it, Chad. I like it. Here, uh, I got my bubbly water. Oh, there you go. Oh, bubbly water. I'm the gayest. So I went to Joe Beer. I went to Joe Beer on uh, Monday or Tuesday. And I pulled in. It's a drive through beer depot in, in our town, for anyone who doesn't know. I pulled in. I was like, oh, I got the gayest question for you you're going to hear today. And the, the kid was like, hit me. I said, do you have any NA beer? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I do. It's like, what do you got? He's like, Bush. I don't like that with alcohol in it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back ice. <laughs> so. I think you'll make it. You're halfway there. Yeah, it's easy breezy. I heard a stat that, what, 40% of people that do the dry January don't make it to the 16th of January. Well, you've done it the last few years, and you've been pretty, you stuck to your guns. Yeah. I tried getting you even a day or two before. It doesn't work, man. No, no, you say, hey, you Doing a good job. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it to it. Sure. I did mine in August. 
Yeah, but you you were forced to, weren't you? Yeah, I wasn't forced to do anything. I mean, I just you know I wasn't feeling good, so I figured I'd not drink for a while. <laughs> yeah, if I don't feel good, I I don't drink typically. Nah. Or I tried to drown it. I I had something this weekend, and man, all I wanted was a shot of bourbon to to drown my bugs. But but I per I persevered. Bigger and stronger. If it wasn't snowing so bad, I might have a shot of this bourbon sitting in front of us, too. Yeah, you do have a little bit of a long hike home. It's not too far, but it's far but enough to be it's scary. It's far enough to be scary. With six, to, six to nine inches. Uh, that sounds like you having sex three times. <laughs> you're damn right. Look, I'm doing math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means a two to three inch wiener you're, for everyone to keep a math at home. You're smart, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus you Christ! You went to college, so so I haven't done any fishing shit. Have you? I tied nine flies yesterday. That's the first nine flies I've tied in probably three months. But uh, I do I, have a funny story though. Like we could probably tell uh, nobody's here to make fun of me except for you. Oh, I want to this make fun of you. This goes back pretty far. I want to make fun of you. I haven't got to talk about it at all. Do I know it? Yeah. Okay. The Christmas duck story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell this. We, we kind of pushed out on one podcast, and I missed another. So, well, Christmas Eve, went, went duck hunting with my brother-in-law and a couple of his college buddies that he ran with that were on the Duquesne track team. and Literally ran with. Yeah, ran with. Like... Literally ran down. Yeah. Speaking, of, I thought Adam, Adam was coming tonight. Uh, he was at my parents' house. He worked all day. I think he was ready to jump in the hot tub there and loser. Uh, <laughs> did that before today. Oh, nice seven degree hot tub night day, man. My parents got their hot tub running. Seven degree or whatever it was here. I don't know. Oh, you mean outside? Degrees, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It was freezing this morning. Yeah. So uh, we did that today, but uh, no, that day we got out. Tried to get out on some uh, some ducks, and uh, I haven't duck hunted for quite a while. Have my stuff all together. I haven't used a shotgun in quite a while either. And uh, yeah, because all the hunting you've been doing has been deer hunting. Yeah, pretty which much. Which is your rifle. Yeah, I don't use shotguns here. <coughs> so we get out there, you know, get all set up. We break ice. We're out there at four thirty in the morning, breaking ice out, like pushing these big pieces of ice to open up this big swamp area to get some, you know, open water. Put a bunch of decoys out. He even had to. His buddy even had a decoy with the, what's that called? The the flapping wings. Yeah, yeah. The flapper dapper. Yeah, but what the, it, it, Jace called it something. It has a name. I'm sure it does. Yeah, it's, yeah, and I don't know <laughs> it. Uh, I've only heard it 16 times, but I don't remember right now, like like usual. But uh, anyway, he has that thing out there, the whole nine, you know, we're, we're just, but we're hanging and oh, so we're loading up, and, you know, everybody, so they're talking about how many, you know, three shells in, can you load more than three shells? Well, I slip a, Guess I slip who can. It. Uh, I'm like, oh man, my my gun's not plugged up right. I better, you know, we gotta, we gotta fix this. They're like, we can fix it out here. You know, we can make something work. I'm like, oh, cool, okay. Well, these guys know more about guns than I do. You know, the one one kid's using the same gun I am. <clears throat> and uh, so here's me. It's still dark. You know, we're we're gonna get this all fixed up before it gets light. And uh, so I unload all the shells. I pull the thing out. Somebody gives me a th- plug. I push the plug in. Put the cap back on. Lottie dotty, everything's good. I, I and then, but it still it wasn't long enough. So I'm like, oh okay. Well, I have two in there, and I'm like, oh, well, I just unscrew the top again without eat, without ejecting the shells, and co- and there that spring had so much, 
so much, you know, uh, force behind it, and it was, you know, so bound up in there. Oh yeah, it just it it shoots. It shot the screw out. Well, the plug, the top of the plug, the thing that's like caps your, and then the screw itself blew it out of my hand. So the we hear the plug going out, ping, 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 ping across this ice. <laughs> And so now, and then the screw from the top, the screw top, you know, <clears throat> cover, it's, it fell somewhere else right in front of us, apparently, because it's heavy as shit metal. And I'm like, I'm holding a screw, my gun, so I try to eject the shells now. And now my barrel falls off. <laughs> so I'm holding the spring, the barrel in my hand. You know, stock in the other hand. I'm sure your hands are really appreciating being up against the cold bear steel. Oh, it was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they wanted all of that. And, you know, we're sitting in waist-high water, you know. So I'm thinking, oh, my shit's lost. I'm holding the barrel. We get that. We get the help. One of his buddies comes over, helps, gets, gets the shells out of there. We get all that taken care of. So now I'm just holding my gun in pieces. Well, his buddy goes out, and he's like, I'm going to go look for the the plug uh and he goes out looks finds it out on, on the, the ice, ice. <laughs> finds it brings it back you know so we put a plug in there he screws that in you know you could kind of lock that into place and that holds your you know your plug that's in there holding your uh, no shells you know not enough shells going in or less shells going in i should say and uh, so i'm like oh okay this is all working we put the gun back together everything's good I'm like, man, I'd like to find that screw top. You know, if I tell my dad this story, he's gonna want to kick me. He's gonna kick me in the nuts for you know losing shit out here and being an idiot. And uh, he uh, he looks, he just turns his head and looks straight down. Uh, my my uh, Adam's buddy Bobby, and uh, in the, in the screw top sitting right there. He said, "Hey, there it is. You have to reach down in the water for it." No, it was sitting right on top of something right there, like on a oh. bunch of brush, man. Sitting like I mean, right. He just reaches down, grabs it, screws it on. Gun's fine. It's plugged up. It's perfect. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, somebody was on our side that morning. Look at you falling in a pile of shit and coming out smelling like a rose. I know. Oh, and if those oh, those guys weren't there helping me, I would have I would have definitely not known what the fuck to happen, what was the, happening, or would have, you know, I'd have been a shit show. No, you would have had four shells in your gun. Yeah, 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 <laughs> pretty much. I'd be like, yeah, oh, I'll just put three in there and call it a day. But uh, yeah, it was. No, they helped me out a lot, and that was cool. It, uh, the day ended up being fun. We didn't see any uh, any ducks or geese. We saw uh, a lot of good camaraderie and uh, you know some some chill time, some relaxed time, uh, and a flock of uh, uh, cranes. Sandhill cranes, yeah, you said. Sa yeah, sandhill cranes, and that was it was pretty cool to see them. They have a weird noise they make. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, cool cool, to cool see. creatures. Yeah, they're they're big. Yeah, but, yeah. That was my debacle that they they pulled me out of. So. But good times. I dig it, man. That's funny as shit. <sighs> One of those head shakers. At least it all worked out. Yeah. I didn't tell you. I went to Buffalo on Monday. Just for... Uh, yeah, for... Again? For a round tripper, man. For what? For work. Uh, oh. I drove up, picked up a tractor, and came home. So. But I got to drive over the cat, and I got to drive over all the creeks. Everything was pushing ice and blown out. So, that was uh, that was my extent. That was as close as I got to fishing this weekend. Like I said, it's just been, uh, I went through the process of tearing out a couple walls uh, down in the basement. I mean, if you want to get into, like, the details of it at all. Yeah, man, we got we got nothing but time. We got, we got, 
half hour to a call on our guest, uh, Bart Landweir. Actually, if anyone is uh, keeping uh, keeping score at home. But uh, yeah, so I tore out a couple walls, um, and you, it's kind of hard to explain. But opened up, uh, took out a bedroom basically that was down there. Some you know one of the kids that lived there previously had been you know sleeping in the older son, and so I opened that all up. I'm, I took the bar out that they had. I'm gonna remake another bar down there. Okay. So where are you going to put all your flies now? So it's, they're going to go. There's another little space on the opposite side of like the steps you walk down to go down into the basement. So if anyone has never been in Jay's basement, which nobody probably has. Yeah, exactly. Except for a few close friends. He just dumps all his flies on the on top of the bar. And then the night before we go fishing, he picks out what flies he wants. Yeah, that, that bar space is sadly missed at this point. But it, it, it is a great flat surface. Yeah, it was. It was, it, it was a great catch-all for all my stupid shit that I had down there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna fix up another little room with that all that junk and uh, put a few lights up in there and make it a little brighter. Yeah. So it'll be a little cavier. But uh, trying to open it up, like I said, make a bigger area. So we tore all that down. Then I got some help. I did all that by myself, and then got some help. Started framing stuff out. My dad and I went and got a fucking billion two by fours that are. So they a month and a half ago, they were four twenty five. Yeah, not now. No, they're back up to six fifty, and I was like, "Oh man, I would have saved myself two twenty five a board." Yes, and that would have, you know, I mean, at that this point, up. at this point, I'm at like fifty or sixty, you know what I mean, studs running all the walls, and yeah, that's one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, exactly. That would have been nice to have had that put it somewhere else. Yeah, do anything with it, <laughs> except except for pay for two by fours. So you know, doing that tore the uh, the bar down nice enough that I'm going to reuse it. And just respace it out, and uh, I'm probably gonna just do a different countertop. I think I'm gonna do a uh, poured concrete countertop. Nice. So that comes out nice. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, need your and Bruce's hand. Yep, I can do that. Yeah, I did one with him at work, and it, they come out pretty cool, yeah. board and stuff. And did you do the uh, the roughed edge for the? Uh, no, that one was smooth. It was smooth. I know the one we did out at here. Yeah, I helped them do the form here. Yeah, and that one was. The rough edge, yeah. It was nice. It looks like it's a chipped granite kind of. Yeah. I don't know which which one. Whatever my wife wants. Yeah, that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. So as long as she's happy. <clears throat> laid it all out. Now that I've got it all, fr- I've we framed it all in. I took a nice little pass load framing gun from work, but you know all the stuff to go with, all the nails, and just started whacking away. Had my dad and my brother-in-law there helping me a bunch, and man, tore a. Bunch of ceiling down. Oh man, dusty and it was you know it's a little older house and kind of like when we tore your kitchen ceiling down. Oh yeah, beautiful. You know, tear out's great. Oh, so didn't think I was gonna take the whole ceiling down, <laughs> but I tore into one part and it just it just started coming down in sheets, like eight foot sheets. And it was just too easy and to was, not do it. Yeah, it was nice. I'm like, oh, just let's just do this. Let's just rip it down. One less place for a mouse to hide if it wants to come in. Was it drywall? Yeah. Are you going to redo the ceiling or are you going to put a drop ceiling down? There's going to be a drop ceiling in there. I got 36 cases of tile floor for cheap. Like yeah. the deal of the century at Home Depot. So it's like a, the wood looking tile. Yeah. Uh, I think they're 24 by 6. So. Cool, cool. Yeah, it should be nice. Uh, pumped. It's going to be a lot more man labor than that life proof stuff. But yeah. You know, we'll make it work. Like, it's going to be more work, but it'll be nicer in the end, any too, I think. You know, it'll be 
you're not going to get if you do get any water down there, perhaps, or anything like that. It's not going to. It's not going to lift under, and go underneath it, and, and, yeah, and sit there underneath it for you're going to get moldy and sti- you know that that'll be nasty. So you got ceramic towel. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, it's so it's going to be a lot, a lot more, <laughs> a lot more work. Yeah, a lot more work on my back and my knees, and but hey, hey, do it once. Yeah, and it was you know. I saved a bajillion dollars, so I was like, man, I just got to buy this and do that. It just is going to work out. It's going to be way too cheap. Yeah. I'll get some people in there, help out, you know. I hear Free you, beer and free food, man. It's all you got to offer a guy, and they're usually, you know. If you do it in February, I'll be over. Oh, I'm sure. We'll, be, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait We'll wait till February 1st to do the floor, just so Chad can come over and has to help mix, mix mortar and do the flooring. February 1st is a Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're going to get me for an extra week, you son of a bitch. It's a Tuesday. Uh, all right. Well, and whatever the, what's the 5th? The 5th. Sounds great. Yeah, because February 2nd is a Wednesday. We always celebrate February 2nd around here. It's Groundhog's Day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah, man, there's no better reason than go drinking than to see a groundhog see his own shadow. Nope. Man, bought some boxes, though, man. Put some electrical in. We're getting it done, dude. All about it, dude. That's all I've been putting my mind into. My wife's like, when you do projects like this at home, like, you look like you are in another world at all times. Like, she always asks me, like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking. <laughs> like, thinking about where this receptacle has to be. That I'm pinning all those ones up high, you know what I mean? The ones for the TVs. Yeah. So it'd be right behind the So TV. you don't have to drop a cord yeah, down. Yeah, exactly, yeah. F that noise. Yeah. If you don't have to. I'm trying to, I'm going to run some out into the bar that I'm going to make to, you know, for uh, fridge. For blenders. And fridges. A fridge, (laughs) you know I mean? One in the back of the fridge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And blenders for guys like Chad who like blended things. Give me a pina colada all day, man. There you go. (laughs) You would. Man. Shit, I so when are we gonna make a? Uh, I gotta start smoking some more food, Chad. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a portion of this podcast and turn it into the uh, the food talk, the full hard food, full hard po- food talk. Yeah, I smoked something really cool today. I smoked a uh, cream cheese. How'd that turn out? It turned out freaking awesome. Hmm. Uh, it it's like all the rage on the internet. Um, you go on Instagram, go on YouTube. Everyone has a video on how to smoke cream cheese. So. Uh, the other day, uh, it's been a couple weeks ago, when Mark and I fished with Derek, mm-hmm. he gave me a, an inside that uh, a local fence place sells the meat church spices. I was like, oh, okay. So Friday, I had to pick my dad up from the hospital and take him out to Greenville. And since I did that, I was like, all right, I'm going to uh, stop at this fence place on the way back because you can't cut across. So you can only get it when you're coming south on 18. So I was like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I stopped there. I got the uh, holy voodoo and some gospel. You mean like a fence like that puts in fences for people? G&J fence right beside, the, oh, okay. uh, right beside the jug handle. And they sell spices. They sell spices because they also sell green eggs. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So And they sell Yeti stuff. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's it not, not, okay. not just fences. Like, Man, fences and spices. Huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. But, fuck it. But... uh. But I seasoned up uh, three blocks of cream cheese today. I smoked it like two and a quarter for two hours. It came out so freaking good. 
I just dipped a uh, tortilla chip. You said chips two and in. a quarter? Yeah. Hmm. I just dipped tortilla chips in it and watched football and got fat. So, like, you buying cream cheese in a tub and putting it into some kind of Tupperware, does it melt when you when it gets in up to 200 and some degrees? No, or it, it keeps shape. Does my, it keep shape? My wife went to Sam's You're just Club. going to get some Philadelphia fucking cream cheese and throwing it in there on like the on in the package? Well, I took it out yeah. of the package okay. and I set it on like a tin foil. I made a tin foil tray. Okay. But my wife bought like a five pound block of cream cheese. Okay. So I cut three slivers off of it. Gotcha. And I, I seasoned those with different seasonings. And then uh, I put them on this homemade tin foil tray that I made. Sure. And I put it in in the grill. Very nice. But then uh, last night. <clears throat> I How made long you said that? Then? Two hours. Two hours? Okay. I wasn't it, listening. I'm sorry. It it didn't have to be that long, and no one no one's listening right now. Everyone's just waiting for for Bart. Oh sure, sure. We're just wasting time. <laughs> they're, they're fast forwarding. Um, I smoked uh chicken thighs last night, which was awesome with the uh the Weber kettle and a vortex, which is like a little volcano in the middle. <coughs> and then I made an Alabama white sauce with it, which is like mayonnaise and apple cider vinegar and brown sugar. In, oh my god, it's so good! It's I like it better than a uh, regular barbecue sauce myself. But I'm into making my own barbecue sauce. That stuff's good. Yeah. Do uh, have you fired up uh, Bobby's Bobby's Grill yet, or smoker not, since Christmas? Not since, and I yelled at my wife because uh, I have a gift card to the local uh, meat market around here, and Plumbos we always talk about and. I got. I wanted to get a couple pieces of meat that I could smoke on the weekends. You know, we got football on TV. It's freezing cold. There's nothing else to do, and you know, I go out, stoked fire, keep warm, and hang out, and drink beers and smoke food. And I, I want to, and I, I yeah. need to, I need to keep it, keep up on it. And I want to get into. What do you think a good thing to start with? I was thinking like something like a a pork butt. Yeah, or even I thought like a pork shoulder or something. To that tear that is up. a pork butt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That they're super hard to fuck up. Yeah. You do some pulled pork sandwiches with them? Yep. Yeah. You could do anything with them. You can make pulled pork nachos. You could shred it and put it in the chili, make pulled pork chili. You could do just about anything with pulled pork. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'd like to try, start with something like that and then, you know, move my way up into other pieces of meat. Don't go get in a brisket yet. Not until yeah. you figure out the smoker. Yeah. Uh, briskets are super expensive and they're, they're tough. They're not easy to smoke. Um, I see. I like my grill because I can do low and slow, or I can do hot and fast. So I get like the cheaper cuts of meat, like uh, flank steaks and skirt steaks, and I do them super hot and super fast, like three minutes. Just keep flipping them, and they come out so good. Which you could probably do in your. If does your side box have a a grate on it, like you can grill in that? No, you can't do that. Nah, there's a uh, there's like a uh, <clears throat> an upper grate in the in the big. Area, but not yeah. no, no, no. Okay, well, yeah. Then I would go with a pork butt. Um, if you if you want to go toward beef, get a flat iron steak or a flat iron roast. They're uh they're really good, and they're they're pretty easy and they taste delicious. You have to look into all that. Yeah, Palumbo's has it all. I went there on Saturday, and because of this impeding storm that's coming in, I was there for an hour. They were short staff, like yeah, every, oh yeah, like everyone else. Sure, but they were jammed with people because people were packing up for this. This yeah, snowstorm. So storm is going to last one day, and it's 
My yeah. wife went to Walmart. She said it was a fucking zoo. Yeah. Ash went to Sam's Club, and she didn't tell me how it was. But So, uh, my son was looking at all his comic books today. He's like, Dad, I need, I need picture frames. I'm going to frame these comics. These are so cool. He had a, he had a couple cool ones. So, I... I brought out my holy grail for him. I went downstairs in the basement. I dug out all my old comic books. And I have comic books that were my uncle's comic books when they were young. So like early, early Avengers and early, early Adam Ants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Nolan's mind was blown. <laughs> it, it was cool. He's like, Dad, this is cool. It's cool to wait. You know, he's still to like really appreciate it. Yeah. Like I, I showed him all my X-Men cards and stuff two years ago and he's he's over that but the comic books he was really into he's like dude he's like dad there's there's Doctor Strange I was like yeah that's Doctor Strange from the 80s bro oh those X-Men cards were awesome yeah <laughs> I remember having a bunch of those I have so many I still have all mine um, I know there's a box of cards somewhere in my parents house because I have a bunch of baseball cards that were Bobby and Frankie's too nice but uh, yeah something I'd I'd have to revisit, you know, see if any of the other old cards, you know, collectors things I have like that were in there. I have a best ones I got are as uh, the whole uh, Chicago Bulls uh, starting lineup from like '96, I think. In one card? And no, no, like one pack. Oh, okay. That's all. Every player, like Rodman, you got Scotty, Jordan, every one of them. Yeah. The whole starting lineup. That's cool. Yeah, like Luke fucking Weddington and. <laughs> uh, Luke Long or no, it was a, no, it was uh, Bill Weddington and Luke Longley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Weddington. Yeah, sorry. <coughs> oh man, Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steve oh, Kerr was there. Yeah, that that era. I have somewhere in my basement. I have an autographed John Elway card. Oh shit! Yeah, find that fucker. It's. I think I know where it is. Uh, the kid I got it off of. I have to. I told him I give it back to him because he was young and impressionable. And I kind of, I didn't steal it off of him. You suckered, <laughs> you suckered him out of like a million dollar card. I didn't steal it off him by any means, but I definitely did, didn't give him fair market value for it at the same time. <laughs> so I, I told him I'd give it back to That's him. It's like you're giving him fake fucking Pokemon cards. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, a friend of ours was selling Pokemon cards, but uh, he just went and got a tattoo yesterday. Did you see uh Shalacy's tattoo. Yeah, I did. Aaron did. Yeah, it looks fucking cool, man. Yeah, man. I had to comment on it. It looked really nice. If uh, if anyone goes into the way, way, way back machine, like the first fifty episodes of the show, you'll hear Justin Shalacy's voice. Oh, Justin, yeah. You know he's a conservation officer. No, he's the fuzz. No, he's the fuzz out in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> so if you see him on the creek, look, 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 run. Yeah, run. Don't, don't get out of there. Run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> nothing good can come from this. <laughs> nah, man, we kid. Justin's good people. Yeah, if is. you're not doing anything wrong, he's not gonna mess with you. Yeah. But if you are doing something wrong, you better run. Littering and. And if you run, you better be able to run far, cause <laughs> and fast, cause that bitch can run. Yeah, that dude can run. <laughs> he's quite the, he's quite the uh, fit guy. Yes, he is. He's way more fit than us. Hell yeah. So, Jay, what do you think? You want to go take a gentleman's break and then sure. give old Mr. Bart a call? Yeah, I'm going to have to find something to conjure up. I'm going to have to MacGyver me something around here. <laughs> I'll help you. All right. Gonna carry this dream to the other 
and we are back with Bart Landwehr. What is going on, my good friend? How you doing, guys? Good to, good to be here. Oh, we're doing great on this snowy night out in uh, western Pennsylvania. Nice. Nice. So, hey, Bart. Um, I said where we are. Where are you located? I am actually in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Did so, we... uh, it is definitely definitely winter here as well. Did we get a hold of you because uh, the Packers had a bye this week? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, you guys played today too, huh? Um. We're not Steelers fans. Uh, they do, but the Steelers do play today. That would be our uh, closest team to us. But I'm I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm watching my Cowboys lose right now on my telephone right yeah. next to me. So, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it is what it is. And even more, yeah, okay. even more of a bummer. I'm a Browns fan. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough. It's been a rough decade. <laughs> nice. So, hey, Tim, or Bart, I'm sorry, uh, where uh, where are you guiding out of? And uh, can you tell us how you started guiding, how you got your beginning? Absolutely. Uh, I guide for Tight Line, uh, Tim Landworth's outfit, my cousin. Um, and I got my beginning, actually, in Colorado. Uh, when I started fishing trout, well, Tim is my cousin, obviously, so we, we started fishing a lot together. And we both got nomadic Uh you know, 18, 19 years old and headed west. And I was guiding in, in Colorado. He was guiding in Montana. And just fish like crazy out there and both migrated home. And when we got here, we were doing a lot of smallmouth fishing. And, I mean, nobody was doing a lot of smallmouth fishing but a fly back then. And uh, he had this harebrained idea to start a fly shop. And I had this harebrained idea to finally finish college and make my parents happy. So... <laughs> We uh, we kind of got together and started thinking we could probably guide these things, and the rest is kind of, as they say, history. 21 years later, and we're still giving her. So when you were in Colorado, were you fishing out of a drift boat and throwing streamers like you do for smallmouth now? Um, some. Uh, I did a lot of walkway trips as well, a lot of you know dry fly fishing, nymph fishing. So, yeah, I mean, and I still love trout fishing, but it, uh, it's definitely different a different attack than I do now for smallmouth. And you guys, uh, didn't you, your crew of guys bring the drift boats to Wisconsin, like that that theory of how to, to go after the smallmouth? Uh, you know, there were always a few drift boats around, but I think to make a concerted effort to like guide these things and do it kind of Western style and have the Western style experience, yeah, I think we were pretty early in that game. That's cool. Do you guys strictly fish out of uh, hard boats now, or do you guys have any rafts in the fleet? Yeah, we do. Uh, so let's see. Well, most guys have a drift boat. Uh, there's a couple rafts in the fleet, and there's a couple jet sleds as well. Ooh. So those we can cover lots of different water. Those are fancy. Yeah, those are fancy. <laughs> <laughs> do, uh, do you guys uh, use the rafts to cover, like, skinnier tribs and creeks or yes uh we've got a couple of floats that are are real bony and kind of rapidy and stuff like that you destroy a hard boat in them and the access getting in is brutal you have to drag the rafts a long way to get to the river so yeah we, we picked up a couple rafts for some of those trips and it's worked out awesome yeah we uh we got two rafts on our crew now and they're they're lifesavers 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, rafts are awesome. When the water gets super skinny on some of these trips, I mean, there's a few trips that you can use a hard boat early in the season, but as the water drops out, you got to get the raft. Yeah, we found with just the lack of, uh, you know, access points, you know, even, you know, in places yeah. for us and whether what size it is, it's just, man, to try to have to get something in there. There's no boat launches, so. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. They, you can put them in a lot of weird spots, for sure. Yeah, and that's spots that people don't even normally walk to, let alone put boats in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, Bart, would you uh, would you mind walking us through how the season goes for you? Like, uh, when when do you guys start poking around? When do you guys start guiding? And uh, where are some tactics that you, you do? Oh, absolutely. You got two days to do this or what? Yeah, man. We, yeah, man. we got all night. <laughs> Jay has half a case um, of beer, so we're yeah, good. I gotta, oh, I'm going to we'll sleep. <clears throat> we get snowed in, I'll just sleep next door to Chad's house. <laughs> uh, our season here typically starts uh, first week of May is when we start our pre-spawn trip. Now, uh, historically, uh, some of the rivers we fish on didn't open until that first weekend in May. Last year, they changed that on one of our biggest rivers that is open year-round. So we could potentially get there earlier and start fishing, but that's all weather-dependent because the water stays pretty cold up there. And it, we found early May is about when the fish start kind of migrating back into their summertime off. Um, a pre-spawn is normally, it'll give or take a couple weeks, where the fish have, you know, left their winter water and they're getting back up into the system. And, you know, I'm a teacher, so I don't have the luxury of guiding throughout the week during that season, so I just guide the weekend. Um, and that goes till about mid-May. And then once we really start seeing the fish digging gravel and, and getting going, we back off. Then we just kind of lay, lay low until the first week of June. And that's when we really get cranking. And then we run through September. So the kids um, at school... What's up? I was going to say, do the kids at school notice you're, uh, you're you know, just you a little bit more happy, a little more easy going at that time of the year when you're getting to start to fish again? <laughs> Absolutely. And they always ask me, you know, are you fishing now? Is it time to fish now? Yeah, they all know I'm a guy, so that's kind of cool. And the school I teach at, there's a lot of kids that like to hunt and fish, so we definitely connect there. So it's not uncommon after school to have kids stopping by my room to show me pictures of fish they caught or something they uh, harvested hunting. So that's pretty cool. That's super cool. Hey, I, you're, the cool you're the cool teacher. Yeah. I, I remember my teacher yeah, in high school well, like that. Yep. Mr. Hutchison. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Damn, we do, we do make a difference. You do. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we start that pre-spawn. And pre-spawn is kind of weird because you, you just got to kind of go out there and take, I mean, I would say take temperatures because we do that too. You got to know what the water temps at, but you just got to see what the fish are doing. And, you know, normally that magic number we look for water temp-wise is about 50 degrees. Once you get a few days that are kind of consistently hanging around 50, those fish really start moving back into the river and pre-spawn is all about finding good holding water that the fish are kind of eating like pigs getting ready for the spawn. So creek mouths, uh, deep seams where there's slow fast water meat are really good spots. The whole river does not fish awesome that time of year. You got to find key spots where the fish are kind of piled up. And if you can get into a spot where they're piled up, I mean, you can have the shoes full for quite some time. So you'll just drop anchor and lay waste? Yeah, you try to. I mean, and, and it depends. Like, you try. definitely that's the goal. 
but if you can get on them, it, it can be unbelievable. And and I'll do just that. I'll sit on the, the fast water seam and drop anchor and then just work that pocket. And in that time of year, I do a lot of, uh, if it's cold yet and the fish aren't real aggressive, long kind of straight floral leaders with crayfish or leech type patterns, jig type patterns, and just kind of slow work them down along the bottom. And if you've got a pile of fish in there, you can really have a good day doing that. Do you ever do the uh, those balanced minnows under an indicator, or is that not something you're looking to do? Uh, well, I will, for sure. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, like minnow patterns that I will do under an indicator because it's so crucial to keep that fly down. And when you're stacking and even and trying to keep that fly down in the column, you lose connection with it. So having an indicator out there, it helps out a lot to see that eat. And I forgive my uh, my ignorance, but I've never fished for a smallmouth under an indicator. Do they take it as light as a uh-huh. trout would, or is it a different style of uh, strike that you're looking for? That's a great question. It depends on the fish. Sometimes it's super subtle. Sometimes they just drown it. I mean, they just take it hard. Um, but, you know, when I say stack mending, like a lot of times I'll have people cast kind of up and across the seam and just start throwing men's right away. And that's letting that fly drop into the zone. And, and you know, you're, you're looking – I kind of have an idea where the sweet spot's going to be in that section. And I'm trying to get the fly to that depth by the time it gets there, then have them come tight and just make little bumps on it and just kind of watch that indicator. Just sometimes kind of, it's really subtle. And sometimes, like I said, they just, they submerge it hard. That's super cool. So yeah, I, I know Green Bay is totally different than we are here because we still have moving water. You could do that in the wintertime right. around here, I would think. Yeah, as long as, you know, you have fish that are up in, in, in you know, where they are in the deep water. I mean, yeah. they'll migrate a long way. I mean, um, but if you get on them, yeah, you could totally do that in the winter. And little leech patterns and little crayfish patterns stuff work really well for that. Yeah, man. It was 28 today, and I, I was thinking about going and trying it out. But <laughs> but then I, sat on the, hero. and then I sat on the couch and watched football. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds like a better idea, 28. <laughs> so as pre-spawn comes to an end and you start yep. s- start to see them on gravel what do you guys do yep. you just uh start tying flies we getting ready for the up. season yep that's it yep maybe take a couple boat rides and go check them out spawn and that's pretty cool to see um hopefully by then we've got some popper fish already too and that oddly enough you know people don't they equate you know top water fishing to late summer and hot but we always somebody always puts a fish in the net on a dry fly in the pre-spawn for sure the like i said the one video i i saw of you on youtube you had already put a or what you had put the first fish on a popper in the net for the tight lines crew that year yeah yeah that's kind of a big uh a point of pride for us to see who can get the first fish on top out of all the guides and you always want to be the one but you'll be sitting on the river with clients and all the text comes in like damn it but it's it's kind of funny because you know i would if if it's a deep water game obviously that's what you got to play but throughout the day i'll try and move up the column a little bit to see what the fish will do and if you start to get them to chase like a intermediate of you know mid-range minnow twitch that's great they're starting to get a little more aggressive and as the day heats up a lot of times what i'm looking for is if you throw like a Murdoch's minnow or something like that on a floating line and it hits the water and a fish grabs it immediately, I'm instantly going to drive off it. 
because I think the fish are ready to come up. And does it normally work? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it does. So you're yeah, saying there's a chance. Like anything, there's <laughs> always a chance. You don't know if you don't try. So speaking of the Murdoch minnow, we've heard a couple stories yeah. from Tim about one of his guides taking a Murdoch minnow out and figuring out that they actually do catch smallmouth. Um, <laughs> could, I've heard about that, yeah. Could could we get the story from the horse's mouth? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, as as Tim probably he he's a he tells the story really good. But I I was on the river with clients and there was a guy fishing with a kid in front of me all day, and they were just destroying fish. On, on, I don't know if they were using stick baits, but they used something a lot bigger than I was using. Because at the time, you know, years ago, we didn't really have any direction or any guide to how to do this. We just kind of figured it out as we went. And we fished a lot of smaller streamers. And I saw these guys, you know, I don't know if they were jointed wraps or what they were throwing, but they were crushing fish. So my goal was I got to the shop that night, and I was just looking through the bin to try and find something that could replicate that. And Tim had these striker flies, these merch minnows, and they looked like bigger bait fish, and they looked cool. And I bought up a bunch, and the next day I had a trip, and I went out. And, yeah, they liked them a lot. I mean, that, and it was, it was interesting for me to see, you know, that crippled bait fish come through the water. I mean, it, it, it's totally different than, like, stripping a woolly bugger. I mean, that back and forth, that walk the dog, you can pause it. And the fish just went nuts over them. And that kind of started changing the game in our streamer, us all friends streamer fishing, for sure. Yeah, I, I had been totally oblivious to that fly up until about three years ago. One of our buddies tied yeah. one, and I just I tied it on after I broke off another fly. And I think, what, put three fish in the raft back to back to back to back. And I was like, God, yeah. this, this thing's really working. So well, now, and you know what's, what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, now my box is full of them. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the cool thing is everybody likes to see the eat. You know, everybody likes to see the strike. And with a big, flashy, kind of mutually buoyant minnow pattern, I'll grab the Murdich or a Game Changer or whatever, you see it happen. And you also, I think, you, you can watch how the fish are reacting to it. And a lot of times they're with you as you're retrieving that fly, but they're not committing to it. You need to do something totally different. So, I mean... You might have them track their beaming with you, but they'll follow you all the way to the side of the boat and not eat it until you change something. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. What? I mean, and I've seen it so much as, you know, where you're walking it back and forth and you've got a fish that's all fired up, chasing it back and forth behind it, not eating it. And I've told clients, you know, rip it five times really fast and stop it. And they'll just chase away from the fish and they stop it, kind of kick sideways. And that fish closes and a lot of times they'll just detonate on it right there. So they think it's getting away. Awesome, man. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing it happening. Yeah. And you know what's funny is when they're really in the zone on those flies, too. I mean, I've had boats that, you know, where they'll come right to the boat with it and eat it right outside of the boat, like lead her way up inside, you know, near the, your flies almost like a tip top, and they'll leave the fly. Do you get many, uh, many fish that, that follow fish that are caught? Absolutely, for sure. What do you? What's that your? Is, what's your tactic to catch those? I have a streamer rod close by, um, because if you ever watch them, they're so greedy. You know, you ever have it where you're fighting a fish and he kind of throws up what he's been eating? Yeah, yeah, crayfish claws all the time. Yeah, crayfish stuff pop out of them, minnows pop out of them. If you ever watch, I've seen the other fish around them eat it. Okay, like they'll start eating it. 
So they're all fired up. They think somebody's got something that they want to have. So if you have a streamer flying, it's kind of dirty, but I'll tell whoever's hooked up in the front, it's kind of, no, hang on, no, let me swim back down for a second. Get the other rod out there, slap <laughs> it across, and bring it through. And then most times, if you have this situation ready to go, one of the other fish is going to grab the fly. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, we've come across that a couple of times, and it's it's definitely fun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. It makes for great photo ops for clients as well. Absolutely. You bet. Get two in a basket, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> You're a hero then. Absolutely. You're the guy of the year. I can't believe you knew that would work. Well, it's an old tactic I've used for years. <laughs> So June, the, uh, well, in, what? I was just going to say, speaking of that, you know, I think it's just kind of that aggressive territorial nature of smallmouth that, you know, they get upset if somebody's getting something they think they should have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I've seen, like, I'm a huge one. Like, I love when I'm going down the river, if I'm fishing or if I'm guiding, I'm kind of always paying attention obviously to what's going on you want to and when i see a eat or something like that if we miss it if it's a really really good spot i kind of make a mental note of that because especially if i think it's a big fish a lot of times those big fish they hang in one area also but they'll venture out to feed but they always go back to that spot so if i miss a good fish i'll come back and keep picking at that spot and most times i can catch that fish um but they're so territorial. I, I've got a quick story that I'll give you guys. I was fishing to a fish just like that, that I had marked. I had a guy miss this fish. And I knew it was a good one. And it was just kind of the perfect spot. A current ripped off of a corner. There was a little pocket and a tree had fallen in. It was just a great spot for a, not a big spot, great spot for one big fish. So I take these guys down and it's a, it's kind of an overcast day, perfect streamer day. So I tell the guy, I kind of get them all set up for this spot. This guy's a pretty good stick. So we're, we know what we're going to do when we get to the spot. And they get him in the position, and he makes a cast, and he sets down the streamer. And as soon as he starts hovering, he twitches it right away. And I see this big fish pull off, and he's coming. And he's twitching it back to the boat. And just that fish is maybe three feet behind that fly, and he's coming. He's, I'm confident he's going to eat it. And about a 15-inch snot rocket northern came blasting through and grabbed the streamer. And I watched that smallmouth beat the living shit out of that northern the entire way to the boat. I mean, just slamming into a side. He was folding across his nose. I mean, I put that thing in the, in the net. It's kind of mushy. But, I mean, that was that smallmouth food in his spot, and he wasn't letting anybody else get in the way of it. So, yeah, they're pretty wild that way. That's awesome. That's a great story. Do you, do you like, get many pike uh, getting in the way? Absolutely. Yeah, they're... Uh, they can be annoying, especially when you have a fly on that's taking you a whole bunch of time to tie or cost you ten bucks, and and they go through it like hot knife through butter, as they say, right? Yeah. Oh so yeah, I hate losing flies. Gone. <laughs> I hate losing game changers at Pike. That's definitely one thing. Oh my god, that hurts your feelings pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm always like, you know, with poppers, when you lose one to a Pike, a lot of times if you just kind of sit there for a second, they'll kick it out, they'll pull it back up, and you can fly back. Huh. So I get a lot of I get a lot of poppers back in pike. I just hang around and wait because eventually, a lot of times when they go through it so fast, they're not even really hooked. It comes off so quick. Yeah, so spit it out eventually. Um, but streamers, I have had some luck getting stubborn where I'll roll into the shallows where I thought he was, and uh, maybe a few times I've seen the streamer on the bottom and actually gotten it back. 
hmm. but not too often. That's impressive. It's luck. So, sure. <laughs> so um, I, I got to ask you, uh, when a big smallmouth does show itself and mm-hmm. and you miss the fish or yep. um, something happens, so it's not rocket pike comes and gets in the way. Are you able to to get that fish to come back again on that trip? Uh, maybe that's the big maybe. Uh, sometimes you can, if you know, if I'm in a spot where I can maybe roll back up and kind of set the anchor and, and sit and you know shoot the breeze for a few minutes, and let things calm down, change tactics completely, and go back through there. I've done it, but more often than not, it's going to be on another trip that I go down there and look at that fish again. Yeah, but you know, and I. It's incredible how, how that works. You know, and I think people that go down the river, a lot of times you're just like, okay, well, I'm just fishing the bank and I'm fishing this, and that was one, and that was one. And if, if you fish that water a lot, and you, you just kind of look at the structure and go, that's a really good spot. That looks like a really good fish. I'm going to come back and look for that guy again. And it's amazing throughout the summer, I'll have a list of fish that I want to catch. And a lot of times, you know, if I don't catch them, I'll move them a bunch more. Hmm. And can you catch them again if you catch them once? Yeah. Yep. Um, I, 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 the only way, reason I know that is I had a fish one time that was, it was a really hot fish. And he would, it was in this little spot where you had to make a really good pass. It was like three different scenes converging. And if you set the fly right there, he lived there and he'd come up and just smoke it. Most times you caught people with the pants down. You know, the fly hits, you're putting a line on your finger and he's on already and they lose it. And I finally, I had a guy catch it. And it had kind of a defining spot on its side. And then about three weeks later, I caught it again out of the same spot. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you catch and release does work, kids. That's right. Oh, That's right. So do you find, like, uh, throughout the year, you having that early streamer, uh, you know, bite to moving on to even, uh, like, crayfish bites? Or does everything work for you all season long? Uh, no, for sure not. I mean, the streamer bite is real good early. Um, kind of successfully as a water worm, she kind of moved through the column. But once we get into summer, I mean, I love fishing on top. So, I mean, I, I'm chasing things on top all the time. If I get like a off weather day, like a rainy day or windy day or something like that, streamer bite can pick up. But on high sun days, typically you're going to find me throwing some sort of top water type fly. And do you have a preference on what flies you like, like the boogle bugs or? I, I do, you know, I fish those. Um, I, to be quite honest with you guys, I, I'm always looking for something kind of obscure that people aren't fishing because I think that makes a difference sometimes. You know, they see a lot of flies and, and the warm water thing, when we started doing this, not many people were doing it. You could basically go out and catch them on big, the old big red and white umpqua hardhead poppers. That was great. No legs on it, nothing. I mean, they just ate them. And then, you know, things have changed a lot. So, you know, I hate to say we're more finesse, but sometimes we are. Like, I'll fish smaller poppers. Um, I like natural colors. But, yeah, I'll use it all. I'll use bright colors, too. And if the fish are liking them, then we'll keep feeding them to them. Do you try, like, giant ants, big foam ants and stuff like that? Be a little more subtle? Oh, are, you, are, you, are, you nudging, are you nudging me towards that wiggly talk? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> we... We hear a lot Absolutely. about it. We we don't get to do it as much on our river. I just feel like the flows are never quite right long enough. But yeah, man, try oh, more for sure. You guys, that is uh, such a 
a light belt land catching these fish. And it's funny because in the summer, especially when you get lower water, I mean, the big fish, they're there, they're in their spots, and you really, I think big flies sometimes, they can scare them and spook them. So that kind of finesse stuff, like big Chernobyl ants, you know, Mr. Wiggly, um, I use when in August I start seeing lots of grasshoppers, they use hopper patterns. They love hoppers. Um, but it's, you know, that is more of a trout game because we're setting, you know, long calves, reach men, good drift, little twitches, just real subtle work with the fly and really paying attention to the spots and getting perfect drifts to them. Because the way I look at it, you know, that fish in the middle of a sunny day, he's probably not out actively chasing down and crushing everything in the river. It just doesn't work like that. But they are always window shopping. You know, what else do they have to do? They lay in their spot and they watch the world go by above them. And if something looks booty, they don't have something to grab it and look at it. So they put it in their mouth to see what it is. Huh. When, when you're doing that, what are you running for, uh, mm-hmm. for leaders and tippets and blah, blah, blah? Gear I talk. typically... <laughs> It doesn't have to be super long. I mean, I'll run like a nine foot liter taper and I'll use uh, like Maxima Chameleon eight pound for my tippet. Okay. So it's and not. I, and, and what's that? Oh, it's nothing like super uh, trouty. No, not super techy. I mean, because the flies are big enough, you know, they're, it's not like you're fishing a 20 CWO. I mean, you're fishing a good enough size fly. But the biggest thing I think is that you want in those situations to show the fish to fly first. That's why if, if you've got a strong like reach mend and you can kind of feed slack into your line and just get a really good drift over a likely area, it's funny too, because you'll, you'll watch a lot of times, you'll see fish kind of back up with the fly and come up and look right at it and then refuse it, which you'd never think a smallmouth would do. No. And then if, you, if I see that, I'm instantly back on the oars. I'm trying to back row and set the anchor quietly and re-rig. He doesn't want that, but he wants something. He's really interested in the surface right now. And then I'll switch to something maybe more natural, like a damselfly pattern or a dragonfly pattern, and send that down to him. And it's it's amazing when they're when they're doing that because everybody wants the big explosive eat. I love it too. But when they're doing that, I mean, why explode on something that's trapped in the surface? Film they just sip it like a trout. Exactly. And giant fish doing it. Yeah. Huh. That it's getting my my wheels turning, man. I'm going to tie a bunch of stimulators yeah. on, like, size twos. Oh, dude, I love stimulators. That, that's a great fly. Yeah, I fish stimulators. Do you for... But it's, it's funny. For smallmouth, sure. Okay. Do you put, yeah, any, do you put got... any foam in it or no? Uh, yeah, I'll do foam body stimulators. I'll fish... Uh, we don't see, like, a huge emergence of salmon flies or golden stones or anything, but they are around. I'll fish stone fly patterns. Really? And it's something that they see. Now, if you ever see, like, if you're on the river and you'll see, like, a moth hit the water and be slapping all over the place, I mean, it's not like it's a hack of moths, but all of a sudden, if you watch it for a while, you'll see if they're it. I mean, they got to take advantage of anything that's easy for them, right? Yeah. That's the way I look at it, so that's what I, I try and do, you know? And it's always better, you know, if you can really pay attention when you're fishing, what I, you know, what I try and do is, you know, if I can see a fish. You know, if you can see a fish, if I can find one that I can look at, see visually, see what that fish is doing. I mean, is he hanging on the bottom? Is he kind of moving around? And then kind of make, you know, a presentation to him from there and see what the fish wants. And if you're on anchor and you got a strong cast or, you know, you're fishing with somebody who's a good caster and they can get good drifts of that fish, you're probably not going to spook it. 
but you just want to see what it does. I mean, if it comes up, looks at it, refuses it, you try something different. I've, I've gone through five, six, five switches and then caught the fish. Really? That, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so you brought up something that, that we don't have the opportunity to do is see the fish. The, oh, really? The main river that we fish, if we're getting four inches of viz. Oh, hey, man. It, it's a good day. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's rough. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's well, what. You know, and, and, and it's interesting. Like, we get those days, too. Like, if we get, like, a big rain event or something, the water kind of goes off in all color, which our river has got a pretty rocky substrate. So it doesn't get super dark often, but it will sometimes go off color. And then this, what I found is, you know, I don't know if you guys use darker topwater stuff. Yeah. Bigger silhouettes. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like strip divers or Dauber Southflies with, you know, black on the body can work really well for me. Yeah, that's mainly about what we use. <laughs> yeah. but Well, and that too is, you know, on those days when we get those big water events, you know, the river cranks up a foot or two. There's a whole hell of a lot of flow going down the main river channel. And it tends to, some of those days are awesome because it pushes the fish up into the soft edges. Uh-huh. So you literally just run the banks all day long. There's no mid-river fishing to be had, really. Yeah, yeah. All the fish are pushed into the soft water, and it can be really good because, you know, when you get huge rain like that, it puts a whole bunch of food in the river, too, so they're actively fishing. Yeah, so you can throw just about anything at them. Yep, big bugs, big foam flies, you know, big gear to divers, stuff like that. Heck yeah. For sure. So uh, you have the Bardo minnow that you, you tie? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I love that thing, man. I, I just, like I said, stumbled across it doing homework for this. Uh, do you oh, have, thank you. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, flies that you've kind of came up with? Uh, to be honest with you, I have my whole arsenal is probably like lots of people stolen from other types of flies. Yeah. That's... All streamer patterns that, you know, it's, I incorporate things that are already out there. Um try making my own a little bit something that, and i try and simplify things you know the more i guided like when i first came up with that streamer it's real pretty and it works really well but that thing sucks to tie a bunch of yeah i'm sure I mean, it that's does a, that's a <laughs> very labor intensive fly so so it's funny like i'll tie in the winter time and i'll get a bunch in my box and you know guys will get in the boat like hey can we try one of your streamers and i'm down in like next to nothing and i don't want to be tied anymore <laughs> you know it's just so i so i i do a lot of more simple type ties um but yeah, I mean, foam flies, foam flies with rubber legs, you know, I, I'm not going to say they're my creation because everybody ties them, but they all work. And do, uh, do flies with rubber legs have to have yellow rubber legs? Um, that's a good, good thing to argue about. Um, yeah, sometimes, and sometimes they gotta be white. I love white rubber legs. Okay. I don't know why. It's just, you know, it's, it's the one thing, like, if somebody gets in your boat and goes, hey, uh, I really just my favorite fly in the whole world. Well, we're going to fish that fly first because that person believes that they're going to fish it well. Yeah, absolutely. That's Confidence it. is king. It's the king, you bet. How, how many times have you tied a fly on, cast it twice, and said, I don't like how this fly swimming, cut it off and tie another one on, you know? More just, times than I could tell you, for ex- sure. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I also, you know, I'm a firm believer that it's about the fly, but the fly is probably the least important thing in the equation. I mean, especially when you're fishing top water, it's about getting the right drift 
and hitting the spot. Because in this game, especially like in the summertime when the water's low and clear, if you're a, a foot away from the fish, sometimes you might as well be a mile away from the fish. You have to hit your spots and get a good drag free drift. And, and drag is drag is a no-no with smallmouth. I mean, they don't like it. Huh. It, it sounds more trouty every time you, you talk about it. I know. I mean, it really does. It feels that way. And I think that, now, could you go down the river all day and have a great time and fish big streamers or fish crayfish kinds and catch fish for sure? But I don't know. I always like kind of opening up the next door and finding out what's behind it. And the more I started doing that with kind of more subtle approaches and sight fishing and things like that, it's amazing what you see these fish do. I mean, and, not, and I'm not talking little fish. These are great big fish. You know, we'll come up and sip little bugs and, yeah, it's awesome. Can can you put on like a, a size 16 parachute Adams and catch them? Or have you tried? Um, no, I haven't tried. Oh, I do have one thing that, well, the hard thing about that is, they, you know, smallmouth, they break the hook. Yeah, right they'll break out. a hook, straighten the hook out. <laughs> that, that hook wouldn't hold them. But I remember in the springtime, we have a uh, kind of a, it's like a capering sedge. It's a big cat, a big model wing cat. It's with long antenna, a real cool fly. It's about a size 12 that shows up on the river. And they'll, kind of hang in the, the bankside vegetation. And then, you know, wind comes through, they'll start laying eggs on the river and stuff like that. But I remember I was fishing with a guy one time, and we were we got to this flat, and I saw a smallmouth kind of leaving the water, jumping, and they were they were chasing caddis emergers. There was a hatch going on. So I'm thinking, what? I have, like, big poppers. What am I going to do here? And I'm digging through a, a boat bag, and I found some soft tackle, like a size six partridge and olive soft apple, right? Okay. So I had I had like a six weight in the boat and we capered everything back and I was teaching this guy how to do like a wet fly swing and hold a loop of line under his finger. And the first time he went across that flat, that line loop got taken from him and he hooked up a fish. So we catch this fish. I mean it was a it was a battle on the it was a kind of a stout hook though, so it held and we landed this fish and when I opened its mouth it wasn't you know 14, 15 inch smallmouth. But it was green inside of his mouth with pupa. Really? And we sat on that flat and fished caddis pupa on a swing and caught a ton of fish. So, you know, they're not necessarily, they don't key on hatches that I've seen smallmouth unless it's prolific. If it's prolific, everybody gets involved. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool thing to keep in, the, mm-hmm. in your back pocket. Absolutely. Speaking of that, do you, do you swing it all for a... Uh... For steelhead up there? Not to get off the smallmouth subject. Absolutely. Yeah, we do swing for, for steelhead up here. Um, we don't have, our fishery has declined. There are some spots on the Wisconsin side of Lake Michigan that are still okay, but um, it was better. The stocking program has kind of declined a little bit, so it's not as good as it once was. But yeah, we used to have an awesome lake run brown fishery, and we'd swing for them and catch great big. Seaferl and Browns up to like 18, 20 pounds. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah, that's fun. But, okay, back to smallmouth. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little sidebar. Now we're back to the real fish. Yeah, back to to what we all want to catch. Um, I know you teach and uh, you guide in the summertime. Do you ever have a chance to to take your techniques on the road and, like, go fish somewhere else and see if – if your techniques work yeah. in other places? I have. Not a lot, because, you know, when it's almost season, I'm here and I'm working. But 
I have done some trips to different, you know, parts of the Midwest, western part of the state. And it, it's generally, I mean, it's, the hard thing for me is when you go to a river you've never fished is you don't know the water. So, you know, you're just trying to find spots that look kind of fishy. And I, I don't really do anything different. I kind of look at what's in the river. If I see a bunch of crayfish, cool, you know. There's probably bait fish of some sort. Poppers seem to work for smallmouth everywhere. So, yeah, it all works. To varying degrees, I guess. Yeah. That's um, kind of what what our goal is, is just take our traveling shit show on the road. And <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can do, right? You catch smallmouth, man. Love them. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So in as, a, yeah. as summer winds down, and turns uh-huh. to fall, are you still riding that popper uh, topwater train? Or are you uh, yeah, going back to big streamers? Sure. Or um, You know what? Actually, I was just talking to one of our other guides the other day, and we were talking about September fishing and talking about the uh, just in the fall, the streamer bite can get real good. Um, I think especially when you start to get some of those lowering temperatures in the evening. I think the fish sense the impending winter coming and they really start putting the feed bag on and you can get them more aggressive in the middle of the day, like where they'll chase down streamers again, because they know they have to put on weight because they don't do much in the winter. They don't do a lot of feeding in the winter. Do you notice the size of streamers changes or are you throwing bigger stuff then than you would other times of year? Um, yeah, you know, bigger is pretty good that time of year. I mean, I always throw pretty good size streamers for smallmouth. I mean, because one, I can see it. Um, and, you know, two, I think if you try and tie like a neutrally buoyant fly that's too short, it doesn't act right in the water. It doesn't give you that kick that you want. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, uh, they definitely have bigger, bigger streamers in the fall for sure. Have you noticed um, since the warm water game has become more of a, a popular thing that the uh, – mm-hmm the fly sizes that you're throwing are changing as well. Like now that everyone is asking you to be on a podcast, talking about throwing streamers for smallmouth, <laughs> are you uh, finding that you're having to resort back to smaller streamers? Um, well, that's a, that's another one. That's a, that's a really good question because you know, I just read recently this article that somebody sent me that was about conditioning fish and pressure conditioning fish. And it, I mean, when we first started fishing big streamers back when the murders started showing up, I mean, you could go in the summertime, low water, high water, didn't matter, and I'd always have a, a murder minnow on a line, and we would crush all day long on it. And it, I'm not, the fly still works, but it's, it's, it's changed. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know if I, if I believe that fish can reason and remember, but I don't know what else it could be. You know, they just, yeah, things change. I mean... And I think just curiosity and, and time on the water gets you doing different stuff. So I think that, you know, the more arrows you can add to your quiver, the more situations that you're going to be successful in. For sure. For sure. I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, so. Noticed big thing lately, and uh, and I'm doing it now that I have a an eight-year-old boy that likes to come once in a while. Do you pinch barbs? Nice. Do I pinch barbs? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. You do? Yep. Yeah. yeah I, absolutely. Like I said, yeah. now that I have an eight year old boy in the boat, I like uh I like to have the easy out. Easy in, easy out. 
Well, and oh, absolutely. And from a guy's standpoint, you know, I don't do it. I don't, I don't want to sound horrible here. I don't do it as much for the fish as I do it for my own self because I've taken them out both ways, and it hurts a hell of a lot less when there's no barb on the hook. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and it's, you know, and it's, hey, fish get off with barbs on them too, but if you keep your, your line tight and, and you go at the fish hard, you know, you have just a good chance of keeping them on with a, without a barb as you do with, I think. How how long have you been practicing barbless? Uh, my whole guiding career. Oh, you have? I, yep, I've never I've never fished barbs. Oh, really? So you never really had yep. to become proficient at the uh, the mono loop trick? Um, nope. <laughs> but I, I do have a real good story about that. If you guys have a second, we got nothing but time, uh, man. <laughs> when, when I was working in Colorado, I worked on this ranch, right? And they, the guests would come, and there was a lake on the ranch. And uh, if guests were in, we couldn't. The guides we couldn't fish this lake, and it was full of big cups. And there were little prams you could take out. Well. We had a week where there weren't any guests coming in, and there were cowboys or you know these wranglers on the ranch. And they went out in the morning and they took a pram out and they were throwing spoons for cutthroat and drinking beer. And about we were kind of sitting out on a picnic table watching them, and all of a sudden we heard them swearing at each other and yelling. And they came in, and one of them had two or three trebles of a spoon buried in his forearm, straight in. <laughs> mm. so the, the ranch, the ranch manager, who is the ex guide you know knows everything he's an older guy and we all looked up to him he asked somebody to go get some heavy mono because he's going to show us how to take this thing out and uh he looped on he didn't know how to do it the right way because after about the seventh pull on the guy's arm and he was pure white (laughs) he had to sit down and i think i I think we counted about 12 or 15 pulls before he tore it out and half the beat of his forearm with it oh my god <laughs> yeah, that was that was hard to watch. Oh, that that would be atrocious. We we had a yeah, but, we've had him removed a few different ways, but Chad did the mono loop pretty well on my dad's forearm. Yeah, one day. if you know how to do it, it works really well. Yeah, it came right out. the The only thing that you I was scared of was he he had a game changer stuck in his pinky, and uh, oh, God. and it had <laughs> the front hook was in his pinky, and then there's a back hook dangling around. So I was scared I that God. when I pulled it, I was going to get that back hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All went well. The, the only person who almost passed out was Chad. Yeah, I, I don't do good with people blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. I understand. Yeah, I had one one time with uh, a, a tandem fly. I had a dangling back hook, and we had a big fish eat the, the fly. And the thing about smallmouth is, if you ever notice the way they kill a big fish, they hit him at the head. Yeah. You know, so back hooks on flies, I don't, I think you can probably cut them off because it's that front short stout hook that they're going to get hooked on. And that other one's just dangerous. But I had a fish come in one time and, and he was chasing a streamer with two hooks on it. And he grabbed and hooked up. And the fish did like a quick weird jump where he was nowhere ready to be in a net. But somehow he was outside the boat and I put him in the net. Well, you know how hot that fish is at that moment. Yeah. He is bouncing all over like crazy, and I'm trying to handle him, and I had my hands on trying to stop him in the net, and he spun around and sent that back hook into my wrist and then flopped out of the net. <laughs> so he's just that's a brand, swimming away? That's a brand new, brand new kind of pain right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some four-letter words came out of my otherwise mostly professional mouth on the river. <laughs> but, yeah, we got it out. It was, it was barbless, but, man, that hurt. 
I'm sure. Man, ooh. But, man, uh, besides the occasional pike, are there any other uh, bycatches that you catch while you're smallmouth fishing? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, every now and again, they get a big bluegill. They don't last long in the river. Like, if you get high water and there's dams and reservoirs, that they'll come out of and end up in the river. But sometimes after a big rain, when the water comes down, there'll be some bluegills in the system. We'll get some of those. There's walleyes in there as well. That's a good one for the pre-spawn. Because when we're pre-spawn fishing the smallmouth, the walleyes are kind of in post-spawn. And they're kind of hanging in the same areas. So a lot of us will have an extra cooler in the boat. Because if you catch a nice eater-sized walleye, we'll take that one home. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, there are muskies in the river. Uh, there's not a high density in a lot of the rivers we fish, but there's some size. Northerns, yeah. And speaking of that, I know Tight Lines does some muskie trips in the fall time. You said you, mm-hmm. don't, you said you don't guide for them, but you do fish for them? Yeah, I'll do a lot. And I don't fish for them a ton. Some of our guys are nuts for it. Um, but it's fun. I mean, we've got some really good musky fishing. Um, and there's some real nice ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're in Green you Bay, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, do you guys fish muskies? Yes, we do. Um, actually, okay, cool. Mark, who's not here this evening, he uh, he owns Urban Fly Company. Uh, they oh nice. They tie or he ties musky flies for oh, a full time living. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, that's a that is an incredible fish. I mean, just an incredible predator. And they, uh, you know, on the river when I'm smallmouth fishing, I'll see them on occasion. I've had them eat bass that were fighting, mm-hmm. and that's just wild. I mean, you just see that kind of teeth and hate coming out of fish, and they T-bone it, and they'll hang on right beside the boat. <laughs> I mean, they're just, they just taste fish, and they want it. Yeah, so, man. yeah, they're, they're a wild fish. They're, they're crazy. I I love fishing for them, but it, it just beats my body mm-hmm. up too much. I, I can't uh, oh, it's a lot of work. cast 12 weight all day with the, the big-ass flies that I like to throw. It's a lot of work, you bet. You learn to water load, and, yeah, you, you feel like spaghetti at the end of the day. I mean, it's... <laughs> Yep, absolutely. And then that's then and that's and that's when you get your chance too. When you're you're so tired, you're not ready for it. And that's when you get smoked by the side of the boat. You're falling completely because you're exhausted. Yeah, you lift I your rod tip straight my, up. Yeah, that's been my experience anyway. Yeah, they're stupid fish. It, <laughs> it's fun at times of year. They are. You know, I like fishing for them in the fall. Yeah, you know, for sure. That's you know. What a great time little, of year to be on the water. It's so pretty. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit, springtime can be a little good for them, too, here. So, you mm-hmm. know, a couple times a year, it feels cool. it feels good to fish for them. But I'm more like you. I, I'd rather go out and fish for smallmouth in the summer and hang out in flip-flops and have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What up? Well, I, I typically... Pardon me? No, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I typically, when I do go musky fishing, I like to fish flies that are on the borderline size that I might look at the smallmouth when oh. I'm out there. Heck yeah. So. <laughs> so what kind of boat are you rowing? Uh, I've got an Adipose skiff. Oh, they're wonderful. I've been rowing uh, oh. Adipose for a number of years. I've taken a few guided trips, uh, being a couple places, you know, just uh, not close to home. And uh, both of the times I was in Adipose and I got to row each boat. They're, oh, man. Yeah, but, yeah they, they're, they're insane. Yeah. They draft no water. That's a like, great boat. yeah, it's amazing. 
so stable. The layout is so smart. Yeah, they're really nice boats. And then I've got a, a stealth craft sled, too. Oh, so you got the jet. Yep, I've Not- got one of the jets. Nice. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, man. So we're coming close to the end of the, our time, but uh, I do have another question for you. Please. Um, Tim has been on a couple different uh, shows and podcasts and uh, wanted to bring yep. a, wanted to bring awareness to your river. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to talk about with that or? How do you guys feel oh, about, about bringing attention to the river? You know, that was, for a long time, that was just a big hush-hush. I mean, we did some stuff years ago with R.A. Biotti. Um, we did something for a film tour in, like, 2010 or something, and we were, like, so, like, hyper about, like, not getting out the name of the river we were working on. Like, and, and we work on a lot of rivers, but, like, our main river, which you guys know is phenomenal. Yeah. And, um this mine thing, when it showed up, it got so serious and it, it you know, it's, it's a danger anywhere. They put a, a, a sulfide mine like that in. So we just realized that, you know, there's a time to protect the river selfishly. And there's a time that you got to bring awareness to it because, you know, if nobody knows about it, nobody can help. So yeah. it was, uh, it was a pretty easy decision as things heated up that, Hey, we got to do something and we got to, we got to make people aware of this. And, it's been awesome. I'm real proud that we did because the amount of support that we've gotten from people is just so cool. It's so awesome. Yeah, I've seen it just about everywhere. I've seen Tim on what uh, the Orvis podcast last week. Um, he was on the yeah. Meat Eater talking about it. It he, yep. this show, you know, it's uh, it's awesome, yep. and uh, I'm I'm glad you guys are doing uh, doing the good work. Yeah, well, and it was it was that mediator program that really that's when we let the cat out of the bag. And I mean, anybody who knows us who's been fishing with us knows where we're fishing. But you know, we just kind of you keep it on the down low because if you start blowing up Instagram with pictures and telling people exactly where you're fishing, well, it's not your secret spot anymore. So you try and hang on to it as much as you can. But there's a time for that, and there's a time for the, what's best for the river. And so. did, did you notice a big influx of people after after the mediator show? You know, there's guys here and there, but it's not. We have so much water that we fish. I never feel crowded out there. I mean, if you guys have been out West Trout fishing. You know, if I go out and fish, you know, the Big Horn or the Missouri or something, it's nothing like that. I mean, you go to Missouri, put your drift boat in, you're going to be floating along with 30 other boats up on stretch of river. Yeah. And if I see another angler in a day, I'm like, oh, man, it's getting crowded out there. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. And, and the way I look at it is most people, if they're going to come up and fish, I mean, Austin is a great river. Come bring your boat up and fish. And they're coming for, what, two or three days once a summer? Yeah, and then, then they'll be gone. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's everybody's resource, and we should all enjoy it. Yep. Good deal, man. Hey, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would like to? Boy, I don't know. I, I, it's been productive. We told some good stories. We, I mean, some technique. I've enjoyed it immensely. No, I'm good, guys. Good, man. Hey, where can a, where can someone go if they want to book a trip with you? Where can they go to, to do that? Um, call the fly shop. Uh, Tightline Fly Shop, uh, deep here in Wisconsin. And uh, I think this year my calendar is pretty much spoken for, but I have a cancellation list. I'd love to take anybody out. All right. I will, uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so anyone can uh, can do that if they'd like. 
Awesome. All right. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Bart. My pleasure, guys. Hey, great talking with you. Nice to meet you. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. How are you? Third and five. Come on. Oh man, Bart was good. That was awesome. He was awesome. That was a good, that was a good talk, man. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, I'm I'm in full small mouth mode right now. I can't wait. I've been thinking. I've been doing the Google image searches, looking for us. Sending me pins all over the fucking place. I know. I'm ready, man. That one smaller one. I think it would be great. Uh, if we just could just get some walking access down, there's no fucking way to put a raft in there. No, I, I saw it, and there's no nowhere to take one out. Mm-mm. The place I sent you was a, a bridge that we could put in. Yeah, but there's like a hundred down trees. Oh, okay. I didn't. I looked at it. Okay, but looks like a nice place to walk early spring. Okay. Uh, you know, like is there push up the spawn? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of shoals down the bottom that look pretty badass. Sweet. Yeah, we should be. We're definitely going to have to go, uh, go do some exploring. Yeah, I'm down for that. So, hey. He does get the, he does get the, they gets the mind rolling on even tactics. And, you know, the only thing about our river that I feel like, you know, a lot of guys get that we don't, they have like a more of a, the smaller creek flow <laughs> that we would, like our, our river has, it's, that's tough. It's tough to fish the way other people fish. I feel like because we don't get that low and clear. There is no fucking low and clear. There's yeah. no such thing. It's low. Yeah, it's low, but it ain't clear. And, it's, or tie. Yeah. Yeah, or tie. <laughs> but it's, it's, not, high. Yeah, but it's just, not clear. Yeah, it's ne- yeah <laughs> exactly. It makes it tough. Like, I'd, I'd like to take some of these tactics and try to find places where they would work and where we could put them to some work. That That's another reason why I've been sending you so many pins, you know? Yeah. Just to try to broaden our horizons. Oh, sure. It's sure. like when you're in college, you don't want to just F1 girl. No, you, no. <clears throat> you want to regret that you don't have more regrets. Yeah, strange is the name of the game. You know? Yeah. You want to stick that popper in as many streams as possible. Oh yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to check my my streams of poppers. Absolutely. <laughs> and you gotta check your stream after that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. Oh God. Hey, on that note, tonight's show brought to you by Predator Flag Gear. Check them out at predatorflaggear.com. Sims fishing. Get all your outer gear, your cold gear at simsfishing.com. Tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at urbanflycompany.com. Eric Sooks, you're going to tie Ton and Eric's. EricSooks.com. Check out our best buddy, Ryan Evans, at queencityguiding.com. Down to Earth Financial. And don't call the bank, call Frank. Yeti built for the wild. Let me see you do the James Bond of five, six, seven now. If you don't know, let me show you how to work it out. We got the ball back, Chad. We got the ball back. Are you still recording? Yes! We're going to win! We're going to tie! We're going to overtime! Come on, Dak Prescott!